I'm Spike. I'm Chris. And we are Geek, and now and it is March 12th, 2023, and here we go again. I've ripped my glasses off, run my head, because I just cannot believe some of the garbage I'm seeing. How you doing? How, How you, you doing? doing? How you doing? Uh, too late, I asked for out. Yeah. <sighs> it's been a long week. We've lost... We lost Gilman, we lost Mr. Big, and we lost uh, somebody else from the 50s. I can't remember who it was. I'll think about it. But anyway, the the guy who was Gilman and Preacher of the Black Lagoon, he yeah. passed away at the age of 90-something. But he was, uh, I didn't know he was one of Hollywood's premier underwater photographers, filmographers. He he did everything. He did underwater scenes for several James Bond movies. He wound up even doing the underwater scene in the pool for Caddyshack, where the <laughs> where the camera comes sneaking up from underwater on the Baby Ruth bar. So that that was skill, man. Wow. And then uh, Bird Eye Gordon passed away at the age of a hundred. He was the one who did uh, all the big small movies and stuff. Valley of the Giants and all the other stuff like that. It has been... Probably not nice, but he's worked nice. But yeah, he's he's one of those mystery science theater fans know him pretty well. Also, uh, the what is his name? (laughs) Something Paul? Yeah, I can't remember who it is either. The dude from Fiddler on the Roof, is that? Yeah, Fiddler on the Roof. Mm. Mm -hmm. Da-da-da-da-da-da. Yeah, I believe you. I just have to tell you how good it is. Yeah. Oh. Shows you how well <laughs> we are. Hi, 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 hi. Well, it's, it's been kind of a sucky week for fans of the 50s and 60s. So. Hmm. <laughs> sure, sure. Chris, do you have anything sitting in reserve that we need to talk about this week? Because. No. Yes. I, I got, I got, I got relevant stuff, let's, let's but keep, it's, eh, you know, I mean, not let's much. Let's throw something out there and let's see what, we do let's have fix. to make this an abbreviated version because we, we got, I got things I got to get done today because Sunday may be a day of rest for some people. Yeah. Yeah. So what do we got? What's going on? All right. Um, <clears throat> a lot of you may not be, uh, well known with the Chinese uh, acting and the history of film and stuff like that, but Samu Hong is a well-known actor slash action cinematographer, director, and producer. He is finally getting a Lifetime Achievement Award at the Asian Film Awards. And in related news, there's an Asian Film Awards. That is true. Yes. <laughs> Didn't actually know that either. <laughs> but yeah. Um he uh he's been doing this for sixty some odd years now. Um he's best known for a lot of his work with the early Jackie Chan movies. Uh he's probably if you see him, he's heavy set, but he knows his martial arts and does his own stunts. He's been in a list of martial art films. So if you're a martial art head, then you know who I'm talking about, and you've seen all of his movies. 
<laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, good for him. He even did an American TV sh series called uh, Martial Law, or oh yeah, I remember that. Something one. Like that. Yeah, I remember that one. It was uh, I can't remember the name of the guy who was who starred in it, but I don't think it was Sammy Hong or something like that. But big, big Polynesian looking dude. Yeah, that's yeah, that's him. Yep. So, yep. but yeah, that was that was a weird trip. I think that was like the only American thing he ever did. Mm -hmm. but he has a slew of movies, but a lot of them was with Jackie Chan because. When Jackie Chan was studying uh, martial arts, him and Samu was best friends, and he was also, like, he didn't become as famous as Jackie did, but he was there. He's the one that uh, directed all the stunts, fighting, uh, all that, so. Hmm. You live, you learn. Yeah. The, uh, honestly, I know there is... And Asiatic cinema, there's there's film industries all over the planet that, frankly, a lot of people in America don't really know that much about, except for the little niche fans that they have and stuff. But uh, but there's martial arts films have come a long, long, long way since Bruce Lee's heyday. But and and even then. Uh, Enter the Dragon is still considered one of the best action flicks of all time. So, yeah. so it's one of those things where you find out about it, maybe look into it if you've got an afternoon that you need to kill or something. So, yeah. You live, you learn. Yep. Anything else going on that we need to know about? Uh, so, in case you have been living under a rock here lately, sometimes rising... That. Sometimes there's some rising stars that people just cannot get enough of and keep talking about. Mm -hmm. And one of those people is a young actress named Jenna Ortega. Uh, she is currently, she has played in many movies. She's in the new screen movies. But she's being really recognized for playing young Wednesday Adams okay. in I knew that the Wednesday funny. series. So now her career is skyrocketing. Well, apparently... I thought this was rumors. This may just be rumors. But apparently some are saying that it's actual fact. That she is being eyed by Tim Burton himself. Which of course makes sense because, you know. Creepy, kooky. Yeah. Mysterious and kooky. Yeah, they have a way of connecting to each other. Um, is being eyed for Tim Burton's Beetlejuice 2. Uh, apparently, she will be playing uh, the daughter of Lydia. Lydia, yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> doggone it! Yeah. If I, if it wasn't for the fact that it was Tim Burton doing it, I would I wouldn't even get this news the time of day. Exactly. That's what <laughs> I said. I was like, listen, man. I knew that they were thinking about doing a, a Beetlejuice two movie, but I was like, listen, Tim Burton's still around. He's still doing his stuff. If he is not involved. It's going to be trash. <laughs> and it's been, what, 35 years since the last Beetlejuice movie? Yeah. 86, 87, something yeah. like that. So as, it's... As far as I know of, Michael Keaton is going to be coming back as Beetlejuice. Well, you can't get anybody else. Well, so, mm, mm, mm. I can't say you can't, couldn't get anybody else to do it, but Michael Keaton wouldn't, would beat the unholy crap out of you if you tried. So. <laughs> Right. And and so would the the fans too. I mean, it, Beetlejuice hasn't developed the fandom that 
the Ghostbusters did, for example, but it's still iconic. So far too. out there, it's become it's become iconic. Honestly, you could argue that the cartoon is more iconic than the movie was, That's because true. the the cartoon went on for several years after and just wow, just completely redefined. Saturday morning cartoons in so many ways before they imploded and, and died. But it just, just from the quality of the animation to the quality of the storytelling, but between that and again, Ghostbusters, those two Saturday morning cartoon shows were like the great send off for Saturday morning cartoons until a bunch of busybody, no good Nick <laughs> Kevins and Karens decided that we should be preaching messages on Saturday mornings instead of entertaining children. And feeding them sugary cereals. So, dog. So, thanks, heaps, Kevin and Karen. <laughs> I would have zero problem with going back to Saturday morning cartoons compared to the direct that plays now. I would make the. I would make. I would actually put an age block on broadcast television because we need to talk about three G sometime, which is coming up. It's the. Uh, the new broadcast TV standard that's I've mentioned white space internet access before. That's what this is that's what three G television is what this is going to turn into. It's actually called ATSC three, which is a new broadcasting standard that would basically make all broadcast television interactive. So you could actually you could actually start streaming without having to pay for internet access. Really? It's coming. Oh. It is coming, and we're, it's within the next year or two. Remember the FCC auction where they got rid of all the TV bandwidth and sent it to, sold it to the uh, cell phone companies and stuff so they could do 5G? There's a whole lot of space that has to be left in between each broadcast channel, and basically what ATSC 3 would do is start using some of that leftover space between the channels. So each channel has like a little box, a little fence that's around their their signal. And white space 3 ATS 3 is going to expand that space so they can offer a lot more services. Oh. This is gonna be fun. Quite this is a lot more interesting than I found ATSC 2. But, of course, you're going to wind up having to buy yet another TV tuner. <laughs> but this one might actually really be worth it. So. Hmm. Interesting. So, on that little bit of jargon, what else we got, Chris? All right. Uh, Disney's Bob Iger. Um, Sorry. Re Knee-jerk reaction. He has finally came to terms that, yeah, there's some, they're doing wrong stuff. Wrong stuff. Yeah, because they, they posted a loss for the quarter. He's finally yeah. figured it out. So, he has decided to pull back on future Star Wars movies and to calm down on Marvel TV show spinoffs and all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, because of loss of subscription subscribers and money at the box office and stuff like that. He's starting to figure out, like, <clears throat> you know, this is not good for business. I want to be absolutely honest. 
you guys have been losing money before all this, honestly. I'm just going to put this out there. I am so tired of your wokeness. Your, I kid you not. There's a new uh, Peter Pan and Tinkerbell movie. Or Wendy. New Peter and Wendy, 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 right? You know what the picture always shows when it comes up with the title of Peter Pan? It black shows Tinkerbell. a black Tinkerbell, but you mm -hmm. can't even see her wings. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, why is she the face of this? It's because you guys are literally wanting to start stuff because people are already fussing about a black Ariel. Yeah, Ariel Black, just like the just like the font. But it's like you're they're just like, hey, we're just gonna, you know, do this instead. It's, it's like you guys need to calm down. But that's not something else that bothers me is you guys spend money. On doing remakes of classic films. Your classic best movies. But you want to know what you should really do to make you big money? Release all of those classic films to the theater. And I'm not talking about like, oh, just a weekend thing. I'm talking about a summer thing, you know? <laughs> Release Aladdin. Release Little Mermaid. Release Beauty and the Beast. Release Snow White. Release whatever. You know, the, there's a huge list there. Release these movies so this new generation can go see these classic films that are, are nostalgia for the adults who are like, oh, I grew up with this movie. This movie's fantastic. I want to take my kids to see this movie because the magic is there. Your live action movies, there's no magic. I'm just saying, you guys need to think better. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. I'm done That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's all good. It's all good. Hold on. Every once in a while, I'll sit here and I'll start talking about industry stuff. The streaming industry, broadcast television, the Hollywood industry, yada, 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 yada. Okay, let's get into it. Let's do it. Let's do it. It's been a little while since I've made any prognostications or predictions about what will happen to the streaming industry. Okay? Oh. I'm starting to see other people turning on to what I've been saying. I've been saying, <laughs> I said this, what, four years ago. I was saying that you're going to see all the studios jump in, they're going to get burnt, and then they're going to jump out. Right now, we're in the middle of seeing them get burnt. Disney lost two and a half million subscribers. Paramount Plus couldn't even get two and a half million subscribers. Netflix is... They're on and off. <laughs> Netflix is on and off. They're keeping their subscriber base, but they're going bankrupt doing it because they think their precious IP is going to save them. Uh, what's happening is... Step back in time for a minute, okay? What led to Netflix streaming in the first place? There was three things in place. First off, nobody else was doing it, so they, Netflix had almost sole access to all the classic movies and TV shows, everything that had been done before. There was nobody else wanting the, uh, the streaming rights, so Netflix got them all. 
And Netflix started offering streaming in addition to their DVD by mail service, which still exists, by the way. You should check it out. I was one of the. So I was, was there when, the, when they first started doing this when Netflix was born, and I got I watched Lost through the mail, mm-hmm. and mail them back and, and mm-hmm. so on. So that, that was it was a natural extension for them. They already had the technology. They had a user base they could build upon. And then to top it all off, technology finally caught up and was able to offer the bandwidth because I remember this wasn't that long ago. You might remember this. They were threatening the ISPs, the Internet Service Providers, were demanding that the federal government get involved and force Netflix and Hulu to pay these ISPs money because they were using so much of their bandwidth. That seems quaint now, but that's what it was back in the day. Now we've gotten to the point everybody and their grandparents are in the streaming business. Every every studio has to have one. We have MGM, for crying out loud, just jumped in. MGM barely even has a studio. But there's MGM Plus right there. So everybody's jumped in. Everybody's getting burnt. What you're about to see... Well, hold on, I want to make one more quick point. What was the alternative? Back in the day when Netflix first started streaming, what was the alternative for people watching online? There were no legal alternatives. The only alternative to watching Netflix was piracy. Oh dear, I said the P word. Oh dear, that's going to get get us thrown off of YouTube. Here's what's going to happen. Everybody's jumped in. Everybody wants to charge for their own crap. Okay, Warner Brothers wants you to pay them $15 a month to watch their crap. Ugh. Disney wants you to pay them, what is it now, $9, $10 a month to watch their crap. <clears throat> MGM wants you to pay $7 a month to watch, $6 a month to watch their crap. The BBC wants you to pay them to watch their crap. Although I admit, BBC does have a slightly higher standard. All these studios want you to pay them money to watch their crap, and 99% you are going to think of as crap. I look at Netflix and all their original series, and that's all Netflix has anymore is their original series, or it was. Hold on a minute. Netflix has all these original series. Nobody cares. Every once in a while you get Wednesday. Okay. Every once in a while you'll get a Stranger Things. Those are few and far between, okay? Chris Rock got a mention for bad-mouthing Will Smith and his Netflix comedy special, okay? Every once in a while, Netflix gets some love in the media, but that's not a way to build your business around it. Point is, Netflix is still a 600-pound gorilla and is the one that can survive the, the sea changes the longest. They can outlast just about anybody in the space. Even AT&T, and we're not even, I'm not even getting triggered on AT&T right now. AT&T bought Warner Brothers, Time Warner. And they couldn't figure out what in the world to do with it. All they knew is they were losing a fortune the longer they owned it. That's why they got rid of it as quick as they could. And Discovery wound up with it. Because Discovery's got all this money laying around, apparently. All of these technical companies, all these technology companies are running out of cash. 
I don't know if you've heard of a company called Silicon Valley Bank. I don't know if you've ever heard of this or not, but they were heavy into tech startups. Okay. New companies like Netflix and other technology companies, that was their ballowick. That was what Silicon Valley Bank did. Silicon Valley companies. Well, suddenly all these people who were throwing all this money because they wanted to invest in these things realized they're not getting any of their money back. And so they, they can't get any of their money back out, but they're not going to give them any more money to burn. And so now all this money that they were burning through was being kept at Silicon Valley Bank. All of a sudden, some of them realized, you know what? If I wait too long, I'm not going to get my money back out. And they started running on the bank. And then all these other startup companies that needed, that kept their money in that bank, that bank has no more money for them anymore. So now you're going to see all these companies start crashing and burning. Disney, Warner Brothers, uh, Universal, and uh, Paramount. Those are your big four right now. Every one of them, think about it, every one of them has deep pockets backing them. Disney has billions in cash sitting sitting in their back pocket from their parks and the merchandising and stuff. That's drying up because if you've been paying any attention to news about the parks, the parks suck. They dropped millions and millions on a Star Wars resort shtick, some kind of Star Cruiser thing that everybody says sucks, is ridiculously overpriced. Seriously, I think it's like $2,000 a week to stay in this thing. Nobody wants it. Disney's running out of money. Warner is now basically the wholly owned property of, uh, of Discovery, and Discovery doesn't give squat. They keep money. They don't give money. Universal is owned by Comcast. They still have big, deep pockets because they're still an internet service provider. And Paramount is owned by CBS Viacom. CBS doesn't have much money left. Viacom doesn't have much money left. Everybody's running out of money. Universal's the only one that's got money left from Comcast. And all this money's going to start drying up, and suddenly all the expense of maintaining their own separate streaming platforms is going to get too expensive, and they're going to stop doing it. You're going to see this happen in the next year or two, Okay. I'm going to say this. You're going to see it. You're going to see one of two things happen in the next year. Okay. One, all these studios start dropping out of their streaming service and go back to licensing. Look around. This is what ha is happening right now with Paramount and CBS. All their old Paramount content suddenly starting to turn up on other streaming services like Pluto TV, which is owned by CBS, Viacom, Paramount. All their, all their old stuff, like the original Hawaii 5.0 and all the good good old stuff that they've got. It's the Twilight Zone. That's all on Pluto TV, and it's ad-supported. Disney is starting to have their, their movies and their shows turning up on other platforms so that they'll start getting money in instead of just spending money on stuff nobody wants to see. So within the next year or so, you're going to see a bunch of these companies get out of the streaming business and Disney Plus might survive. Netflix, I think, definitely will. Hulu will probably survive, but it won't be owned by Disney. You'll see, uh, I imagine Paramount probably go down. MGM definitely go down. 
all, a lot of these others will probably go down. Discovery Plus probably will stick around because their stuff costs nothing to make and there are people interested in it. Discovery Plus is one of the very few subscription services I've held on to for more than a month in the last two years. Got it started anyway. <laughs> but uh, so that's one option is you're going to start seeing these drop. The other option, if these companies keep pushing for, for rate hikes, they keep pushing, demanding that you follow their restrictive models. If they insist upon punishing their customers the way they do, 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 as with Netflix and their password sharing, which they had to back up on, you're going to see the rise of a new, we'll just call it a, a new Pirates franchise, but it won't have Johnny Depp in it, if you know what I mean. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You will see people return to the seas, and it is, that's going to be bad news for everybody because then nobody will, will go right back to where we were 10 years ago. Nobody pays for anything, and Hollywood starts losing a fortune again. And no source of income to make it up. Because cable's dying, broadcast is dying, DVDs are dying, although Blu-rays are starting to make somewhat of a comeback. People realized you can't trust your online streaming providers, especially Amazon, to keep stuff there for you that you, quote, quote, buy, end quote. So people are st finally starting to figure out what I've been telling you now for two years by physical media. So what's it going to be, y'all? I get the feeling that once the shakeout is done, you're going to see Netflix. It's going to be expensive. It won't be like before. But for 20 bucks a month, you'll get all the Paramount content you want. You'll get all the uh, Universal content you want, all the NBC, the CBS. You might even see some Disney stuff on there. And Paramount stuff will be on there. It'll be like it was before, but it'll cost you four or five times as much. And I said that on March 12th, 2023. We'll see if that comes true. <laughs> and like I said... It's either that or piracy. <laughs> anyway, we're already at good gully, Miss Molly. We're 25 minutes into this. Christopher, anything that we need to... Let's start hitting some rapid fire subjects because I get, get off onto a tangent. Okay, so I got three more news. Yes. The last one I'm saving for because I have a feeling that you will want to hear this and you will have words to say about it. Then, so, you, need, then you need to hit so, that. Well, let's do the first two quick then. Okay. Quick hits. What do we got? Um, so on the wake of Velma and how that's going. And season two is coming soon. Yeah. Elizabeth Banks, actress and also has spoken out on, you know, sexism and stuff like that. Has is producing the Flintstones new spin off series called Bedrock, which will follow a 20 something pebbles and her trying to make it in the world. Uh, it will be targeted to more adults. So, all I hear is woke, 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 woke. You know what I hear? Hold on. You know what I hear? What? Pedo, 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 <laughs> pedo. You're taking a children's franchise. Now, understand, admitted, 
back in the day in the 60s Flintstones aired in primetime on ABC I think it was ABC and it was an all-ages show it was a family show it was something for adults as well as kids for the last 50 years it's been treated as a children's property and now you're going to turn it adult that's pedo 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 bear you're being a pedo bear Elizabeth Banks stop it that's all I gotta say on Stop trying to stop trying to pornographize children's IPs. Stop it. Well, she's in her twenties in this one, apparently. I don't care. If Flintstones is still known as a children's IP, and just like Scooby Doo was, and when you try to assign a, a adult themes into it. You're going to get children interested in seeing it because it's Velma. Velma's Scooby-Doo. It's Pebbles. Pebbles is the Flintstones. Well, and the, so, what do they have in common? So here's the funny thing Warner about Rock. Velma. Yeah. Oh, is there something Vel funny in Velma? Yes. I'm surprised. Because apparently, I don't know who is asking for it or whose idea who's paying for Velma. One, for no a, one. A, a, to Second all the season. Warner Brothers. But there's this Carol thing Rich. on YouTube where it, they always take, like, you know, teens react. So, like, teens will react to old-time music that they've never heard of. Teens will react to, you know, stuff like that. And it's a huge series. And they did one on Velma. And I was like, okay, I got to see this, right? Mm -hmm. So, it was basically Scooby-Doo. It was Scooby-Doo throughout the years and mm -hmm. how it's changed. And all of them got good responses except for Velma. <laughs> and they were like, what is this crap? <laughs> yes, because... This was coming from teenagers who were we, just like, look, I love this. I love this. What is this? <laughs> kids are a lot more sophisticated than they get credit for. Kids can... Kids huh. understand concepts. Kids know when they're being BS. And Velma, Mindy Kaling... Yeah. It you want to you want to go ahead and whiz more money away, Warner Brothers? You go right ahead. That's why I don't own any Warner Brothers stock. But I got a feeling that Pebbles is probably going to end up becoming a lesbian. I don't care. I'm it's, it's, I'm going to I'm going to do to Pebbles what I did to Velma. I'm going to ignore it. Being a, be a being a stock. geek, being a geek, I'm going to stay away from it. I'm not going to get any of that stench on me. I'm going to stay away from it, and I'm going to decanonize it. I'm going to ignore it. It does not exist, just like I do with every Star Trek series since Deep Space Nine. They've all stunk, and I stay away from them. <laughs> they are not a part of my experience. I don't care. Just psh, go away. You're done. You're done. You never even started. You're done. All right. Uh, Build-A-Bear. Reveal a new line of Super Mario. Well, they will end up uh, having Mario, Luigi, and Peach. I get the feeling that Mario is going to be the movie to beat this summer. And it's odd that I'm saying that because, boy, the first one stunk on ice. That and Dungeons and Dragons because I'm already hearing great reviews from Dungeons and Dragons. I don't think that much about Dungeons and Dragons because TSR is wholly owned and operated by Wizards of the Coast, and Wizards of the Coast couldn't do couldn't do a 
a worse job with <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons. They were wiping their butt on Gary Gygax's uh, grave. Wow. It, it, I have zero interest in Dungeons and Dragons, the movie. Uh, but the Super Mario movie, that one looks like, mm, I want to like it. I really do. I really do want to like it, especially because it looks like they're, they're mailing the visuals on this. Yeah, I wish they had stayed away from the Hollywoodization. This is something that Hollywood studios do, do yeah. to outside intellectual properties. They have to put their own little, they have to whiz on it somehow. So they just had, nobody would watch Super Mario, so they had to have Chris Pratt there to get people to watch this stupid movie. Is the way Hollywood thinks. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think it is going to become something, I, I think I, it is going to be big, but I think I think it's going to be a surprising big, because kind of like Sonic, like I nobody... I'll tell you who I'm thinking right now. What? Not even like Sonic, okay? Because Sonic did come out of nowhere and just surprised everybody with how good it was because they actually listened to the fans who cared about it. You know the vibe I'm getting off Super Mario right now? What? Lego movie. Yeah. yeah. That one came out of nowhere and owned a summer. And, yeah. and I mean, for goodness sake, they actually made Lego Batman a thing so much that he got his own movie out of it. And there have been several <laughs> Lego movies since, Okay. The Lego movie, which everybody was like, why would, I remember when it first came out, I was like, why in the world would they make a Lego movie? And then you saw it, and it's like, ah. Yeah, and everybody tried to ride the coattail emoji movie. Mm -hmm. The uh, Playmobil movie, yeah. remember that? And who are, the, who are the two guys who did it? It was uh, Phil Lord and, I think it was Phil Lord, somebody else. I'll, I'll look it up later when I edit the video. But uh, it put those two guys on the map, and They've got another, uh, they're about to start on another franchise. Yeah. Um, <sighs> I think it was right it's now. A, it's a big franchise, too. Yeah, but that really put them on the map, and that's what happens when you have talent and skill, and you're able to apply it to an intellectual, pro an existing intellectual property that you treat with respect, and that's something that's rare nowadays. Okay, other... Alright, this is the last one. And this is the one that's really supposed to get me talking? I, I think so. Uh, last time I talked about how they're bringing a 4K extra edition thingy. The Superman. Superman of Superman, right. Well, we got some more Superman news. And this mm. one is actually pretty... Again, I'm interested. Mm. Max Fleischer's... Fleischer, yeah. Did I say that right? Yeah, Max Fleischer. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Superman is being remastered. Uh, hmm. 17 series uh, that ran from September 1941 to July 1943 mm -hmm. is set for digital and Blu-ray release May 16th. Digital costs will be 15 bucks. Blu-ray will be uh, $34. Yeah, that's because you get to keep it. Okay. For those of you who don't know about Max Fleischer, okay, we really do need to sit down. That would be an example of a backrack video topic, yeah. the Fleischer Studios, because they were also the ones who put Popeye on the map. Yeah. Okay. The thing you got to understand, Max Fleischer's Superman started in 1941. I knew I was going to get you on okay. this. Okay, <laughs> hold on a minute. 
Superman started in 1938, uh, 39. I think it was 39. So Superman hadn't been around that that long, but it was in four-color comic books in action comics, okay? Which made it a perfect setting. Yes, I got a huge action comics up here on the wall. But that made it a perfect adaptation for animation. And Max Fleischer, holy cow, Max Fleischer, when he wanted to, and he wanted to as Superman, because, man, you could tell the, the, guy, the animators of Fleischer Studio are just feeling it on Superman. This rivals... Disney animation, okay? Because Superman, hold on, and I'm whistling everywhere. Superman is one of those bigger-than-life things that works so much better in art than it does in real life, okay? Look, okay, go through the television series. You have Superman, the animated series, which was a lot better than I thought it would be. The Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, all the Superman movies. This, the animated Superman from the modern DCAU, all of that takes its root and its inspiration for the Max Fleischer films. Matter of fact, you can take a lot, if you were to look at Batman the Animated Series, which preceded everything and was the very bedrock foundation, not that bedrock, but the very bedrock foundation of the DC animated universe and everything that come after it. That foundation was actually built on the bedrock of the Max Fleischer, the, the, uh, the look, the storytelling, the action, the pacing, everything. The stories, not the best in the world, but in 1941, when we're careening into World War II, and you see super, and you see bullets bouncing off of an American like Superman, that got people jonesed up, and it, they managed to catch that lightning and bring it into the 1990s with Batman the animated series and then the Superman animated series. They kind of tapped it a little bit even in the uh, 1978 movie with Christopher Reeve, where you had the different mood lighting and stuff, so you could see the shading, the shadows and stuff, which is why Superman wears bright blue, bright red, bright yellow, okay? Big red S on a yellow background with a blue background around it and a big red cape. Superman is supposed to be bright. Superman, it's like Star Trek, is an optimistic property. That optimism is an essential part of that property. And so when you put Superman in a dreary outfit, put Superman in a dark blue or almost black outfit, muddle the colors, make things smudgy, make him look like he's got five o'clock shadow, people look at that and they're like, what is this garbage? It's almost Thank like you. it's almost like Nicolas Cage Superman. You look Thank at him and he's like, that's not Superman. He doesn't inspire me. Superman inspires because he is bright, he is bold, he is strong, and he is inspirational. And that is why he has been buried under so much junk for so long. Because there is one thing Hollywood absolutely despises doing today. This current generation of creators 
I've been doing a lot of air quotes this week. The current generation of creators absolutely despise inspiration because they don't think there's anything worth inspiring. I'm glad you brought up the whole suit situation because I never did understand why people was like, oh, Superman's wearing the black suit. Spider-Man's wearing the black suit. Did you see that? Oh, my mm -hmm. goodness. It's the black suit. And I was like, so? Like, I don't care. Like, there's, like, that. just because that was part of a certain story that you liked, I don't care. There's, like, a, a list of things that, like, it had nothing to do with them changing the suit so they can be more edgier. Like, right. Batman is edgy. Superman in a black suit, just like Spider-Man in a black suit, they're all chasing the that gothic Batman style yeah. fever. They want to capture want the to Dark Knight. Okay? <laughs> Not admitted before anybody starts ranting. I know the Spider-Man black suit came around before the Dark Knight uh, comic book. Okay, I know that. Before Frank Miller did the Dark Knight, there was Secret Wars in like 1980-82 and that's where he found the black suit. The black suit was originally an advertising gimmick, a merchandising gimmick. It was there to sell comic books, and then they wanted to change him back. Well, no, I take that back. They originally weren't going to change him back to the red and blue because they didn't want to pay Steve Ditko residuals. And the fans were like... The fans didn't realize it at first. Once, they, once the smart fans found out, they were like... Uh, the comic book press and stuff like that. They got a hold of Marvel and gave them what for, and he goes back to the red and blue suit. Everybody's like, finally. There were some good stories in the black suit. The the death of Gene DeWolf is is a, as close to Spider Man nor as it was before. Well, ironically, Nicolas Cage got a hold of it in the, in the animated movie, but the uh, <laughs> but it's some. Spider-Man, same thing as Superman. Same colors. Okay? Yeah. Red, blue. There's no yellow, no, no cape, no. But those bright colors are designed to inspire. They're, they're designed to, to pull out an emotion of you that makes you hopeful, that makes you have hope not just for, for yourself and the present or that the hero will pull through, but it gives you hope for the future. You want to see... What will this bright, colorful Superman do to stand up for the rest of us next time? What is this bright, bold, brash Spider-Man going to have to do in order to stand up for us next time? Superman was what everybody aspires to. He is aspirational. Spider-Man is what we are and are trying to become, and he becomes inspirational. And any and like I said, modern Hollywood today just cannot have that. They will drag both of them down into the muck if possible. That had happened to Spider-Man starting right around Spider-Man 3 with the black suit. Yeah. And they lost their way for a couple of movies and they started kind of getting their their Jones back with Civil War and then into the and into the more recent Homecoming movies. The, uh, incredibly enough, it was the uh, Into the Spider-Verse 
that really brought back the inspirational Spider-Man, and he died. Okay, that was supposed to be in the original movie. Spider-Man was supposed to have died in that movie, and then you got all the other Spider-Man coming in trying to fill in and pitch in and help bring Miles Morales along. But even then, it's still looking at the inspirational aspects of this hero. And that is something that unfortunately nobody in Hollywood knows how to do. Because again, they think inspirational movies are stupid, they're silly, they're, they're meaningless, they're just tearjerkers, they're... That's why they hated, absolutely hated Top Gun Maverick and hated the success it has. Because if Top Gun Maverick, the Oscars are filming tonight, I don't even care. If Top Gun Maverick doesn't get some kind of special mention for saving the Hollywood movie industry's collective hide in 2022, then you'll know the Oscars are so far off the reservation, they are totally meaningless. But that's all I'm going to say on that for now, because we really do need to wrap this. We're going to try to make this a shorter episode and didn't turn out right. But, but yeah, if you're a Superman fan, let's go, uh, uh, it's May 16th. So That one is worth getting a hold of, because we got, I forgot, I forgot we started with the Fleischer Studios. <laughs> but yes, that one is absolutely worth checking out. And I like the get art it. style from back then. It's, it's okay, seriously, I don't own a Blu-ray player. This would actually inspire me to get a Blu-ray player just so I could see this in like really high quality, high def stuff. I love though that when I when I was seeing this and I was reading about it, it actually gave it let you know the prices. Yes, and that's uh, that uh, it doesn't do that for it. It for had, had not been doing that for a long time because people weren't counting pennies before. Now they're counting every penny and dollar, and they need to kind of. We kind of need to prep for that $35 investment, $40 investment and stuff. Yeah, so. <laughs> so let's go ahead and wrap this, Chris. We both got lives to lead. We both need to get on with our lives. You got any final things to say to the kiddies at home? See ya. <laughs> All I got to say is my butt hurts because this chair is old and broken and is even worse. So <laughs> till next time, Spike. Chris. We will keep on geeking out. You keep geeking out. Remember, peace, love, and geek. Oh. Huh.